Hey everybody, welcome to the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. It is a Tuesday, that means Ohio State had their media availability with Ryan Day. They also brought out Perry Eliano and CJ Stroud. So we're gonna break it down right now on the podcast with some snap judgments. That's Bill Landis. What? Now you're snapping again? Sometimes you just feel snappy. Sometimes he feels snappy. Well, how am I supposed to know when they're snappy Jays and when they're not? You can't. He's Berm, I'm Austin. Um, start with the most important uh, wide receiver in the country or best wide receiver in the country. Maybe he's not the most important. I don't know. Jackson Smith and Jigba uh, dealing with that leg injury. Uh, Ohio State will not commit either way to uh, if he will play on Saturday. My guess is that he won't, but uh, the training staff is going to continue to evaluate him. For the most part, Ohio State did, though, get some good news about his status. It is not going to be a long-term issue. Bill, what does it mean for this week? What would you do if you were a doctor? I would put Jackson in bubble wrap, and we wouldn't see him again until the Wisconsin game at the end of the month. Uh, they don't need him to win these next two games. They don't need to put him in any sort of uh, danger, I guess, of re-aggravating or making worse what his injury is. Ryan Day wouldn't say what it was, but C.J. Stroud said it's a hamstring. He'll be fine. So uh, Get over it. Yeah, I think I think uh, none of, nobody's expecting it to be long-term, but I see no reason why he should play the next two weeks. There's an important distinction to be made between won't play and can't play, and he could play this weekend. C.J. Stroud also said that if – if he needed to come back to beat Notre Dame, he would have played on Saturday, but he didn't need to. So <laughs> that's that is a matter seems, for some debate. So <laughs> it seems a little debatable. <laughs> Point is, he can play, but it doesn't make sense for him to play. I think, as we're all in agreement, it makes probably the most sense that he will be back for the Toledo game just to knock some rust off and get himself ready for the Big Ten conference schedule. But he's not the only injury on the team, and that's sort of you know overlooked, I think, because obviously he's the best receiver in the country. But the apex of the Ohio State <laughs> offensive line, uh, as Luke Rippler, who we talked about on Monday morning show, and you guys talked about on the podcast daily on Tuesday, dealing with obviously a foot issue, doesn't seem serious. But you know, when you take out the center and, and have to replace him, then things change. Yeah, not a long-term issue was the way it was described by Ryan Day in regards to Luke Whippler. And I think there's a couple ways to look at it. A, that it's not ideal that two starters for Ohio State are out. Uh, you, you saw that there was some drop-off with the passing attack when Jackson Smith was Jackson Smith and Jigba was not out there. That uh, probably not really fun for Ryan Day and C.J. Stroud to deal with. And then to take Luke, Luke Whipler out, uh, stability and protection for that quarterback also would not be really enjoyable. However, it's Arkansas State, which is a 44-point underdog this week, and Toledo after that. So if you are trying to can look for that silver lining, look, that, the young receivers need reps. If there's some question about what exactly Ohio State would do if Matthew Jones needed to play center or Jacob James, either one, uh, then we might get some clarity on that and some reps for Enoch Vimahi or however they want to coordinate that. Those can be significant in the long run, even if a minor annoyance in the short term. It could be a really good opportunity for guys like Jacob James, like Enoch Vimahi, like Josh Fryer. My, my guess would be that they would, if, if Luke can't play, and we don't know if he's going to play yet, if he can't, I, I would guess they'd start with Matthew Jones and put Enoch at right guard. But, you know, so, you know it's a 44-point spread. You would think at some point Jacob James is going to get in there and get some really good reps that I, I don't really think he's had 
to this point in his career. So, and, and that's a guy who I think long-term still has a chance to play here. So I think that could be really important for him. Um, it did sound a little bit like we got some clarity on the six-man Inafumahi or Josh Fryer thing. Ryan Day basically said if they had to go to a first guard, it would be Enoch. I, I assume if they had to go to a tackle, maybe it would be Josh or maybe you kick out Donovan. I, I don't know. And that's probably a little fluid, too, as the year goes on with, with Josh Fryer and Inafumahi. But, um, yeah, there's a, there's a way to spin it where it can be valuable for a lot of guys on the offensive line. The key word for the next two weeks is opportunity, and it's an opportunity for Matt Jones to make NFL money, showing that he yeah, can be, for sure. be a center and, and go back to where he was coming out of high school. It's an opportunity for, for Enoch Vamahi. It's an opportunity for everyone on that offensive line. But it's also about what Ryan Day repeated over and over today was competitive stamina. This is a game that, in recent years, Ohio State has had a tendency against these no-name teams from Nowhereville to come out and play. The no-names from Nowheresville. Yeah, yeah, the Nowheresville's. Nowheresville University. They're from Arkansas. Yeah, Arkansas. They're right next to Fansville. Um, So, like, these guys have had a tendency to come out and sort of take the foot off the gas in these noon games, kind of a sleepy time for for Ohio Stadium. Ryan Day made it pretty clear on Tuesday that that was something he would not accept this week, and I certainly don't think he's expecting it. Competitive stamina. It's as common as a safety-driven defense for Ohio State this year. Which Perry, Perry Eliano dropped that today. Just said once, though. Only said once. This was the lightest one, so if you did start that drinking game, <laughs> sorry if you were hoping to catch a buzz at noon today. It didn't happen. Uh, but there was a lot of conversation about those safeties because if you're looking at one of the most notable developments, non-injury from the opener, I think it would be Lathan Ransom and the, I guess there's no other way to put it, the benching of Josh Proctor after that opening drive because he wasn't hurt, and he w- did play on special teams after that, and Lathan Ransom played the rest of the game. Now, Perry Eliano and Ryan Day both said there were only 49 snaps in this game. That's part of it. If there had been more, maybe we would have seen Josh Proctor get another chance, or if the game hadn't been as close, maybe also you change it up. But they decided, and Jim Knowles called it the hot hand on Saturday night. They didn't rotate once they made that move and go back on it. And Lathan Ransom gave them no need to. The, the interesting part was the dynamic of how did Perry Eliano discuss that with Josh Proctor? I thought it was really interesting that Perry said he felt like he needed to calm Josh down on the sideline. And I guess when you think about it, Josh had basically his entire season taken away from him. Uh, he's very talented. I think he knows that the world think, knows that he's very talented and wants to put that on display. And when he got a chance to do it, he missed the tackle. Maybe he's a little too juiced up. And, and Lathan Ransom just probably played a little more calm, cool, and collected and maybe saw things a little better. So um, I, I don't know. I, f- I feel like we're we're kind of making this a thing. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not totally sure that it has to be. I do think that Josh Proctor is going to play quite a bit. I think we're going to see more of Court Williams. Probably has to get a little more healthier maybe than, than he is right now. So um, I don't know. I think it's great that Lathan Ransom sort of went out there and took that job and provided them some stability alongside of Ronnie Hickman. It doesn't mean that, that it has to be some sort of safety controversy, I guess, now. With <laughs> well, well Bill, it's Proctor's a safety-driven defense, yeah, so yeah. you have to know who's driving the car. Ronnie Hickman's driving the car. Okay. Lathan Ransom's <laughs> driving the car at the moment. But Josh, Josh will get a chance to drive at some point. Yep. That's an airplane. Yeah, here's the thing, I think. Um, on a team this talented and a team with this high of an expectation foisted upon them, one of the mm. things that can really derail a season like this is just stupid infighting or guys that are get unhappy about playing time. It's one game down with you know 14, hopefully, to go for, for these guys. 
if you're worried about how many reps you took on Saturday night right now, as opposed to why did you not get those reps, then you have a problem. Um, I don't think that listening to Perry Eliano's um, discourse on it today, I don't think that that's the case with Josh Proctor. I think he understands that he's got to just keep getting better and improve. Josh Proctor broke his leg a year ago too. And as Bill said, like I bet he was a little geeked out to be up in that stadium and have that opportunity on Saturday. Josh Proctor is going to be a very important part of this defense. And as we've seen already today talking about it, injuries happen. There's a lot of things that go on. But Jim Knowles is not going to just play a lot of guys for fun. Like You need to make sure that you're out there not making mistakes because in a defense that takes a lot of chances, you can't have the safeties missing tackles. Yep. I Knowing Josh Proctor, uh, the, the little bit of a mouth that I do, and the maturity that he's shown over the last couple of years, I do think that he'll handle this better. The reason that I think it's worth discussing the way that Perry Eliano was communicating with him after a tough situation, not one that he would have dreamed up, is that we are in a new era of college football. And we are just about approaching the one-year anniversary of Kavon Pope and Dallas Gant, both leaving in the first month. One with a great amount of fanfare in front of the entire crowd at the horseshoe. What, happened, what, what a display happened? it was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> decided to quit the team in the middle of a game. And so I don't believe that that will, anything like that will happen with Josh Proctor. But I think that clearly there were some communication breakdowns and people that weren't clear about roles and how they fit in a year ago. And this is a test early for a new staff to see how are you going to handle that, manage reps, manage responsibility, manage personalities. All those things are difficult and that was an early sign, even, I mean, Oregon had already happened, that that team did not fully see eye-to-eye with the coaching staff. There wasn't yeah. complete buy-in, and then you saw more issues because of that. Is there, um, Perry Eliana said something during his time at the podium that stuck with me. He said that he met individually with each player after the game. I'm not sure that's normal. Like, have you guys heard about of a position coach, especially a position coach that has that many? There's like 11 scholarship states or something. He said he met with, downloaded with each one after the game individually. That stuck out to me as something that's yeah, been. Yeah, I think he did that on Sunday uh, or maybe on Monday, but that's pretty unique. And we haven't really talked about it here. We had Perry Eliano on the indoor uh, ten days ago or so, and that dude blew me away with yeah. his his ability to communicate and to effectively get a message across. Um, and from talking to the guys in that room over the last few months, like they love that coach right now. And for a new guy, I think it's just super important for Ohio State to have these, you have these new coaches come in and there are no favorites. Josh Proctor was not recruited by any one of these guys. Like they don't owe him anything. And it feels like sometimes in college football, sure, he's been here five years. He came back after the injury. A lot of things that, that you like, man, we're rooting for you. But at the same time, Rooting for you does not mean we're going to root for you in, in front of the best interest of the team. And so how you communicate from here to, to Wednesday to, to Thursday to practice this week for Ohio State, that's what ultimately is going to matter. But it is unique that Perry Deliano is taking that approach. Bill, what else uh, is front of mind for you after that? Uh, I want to sit in a room with C.J. Stroud and talk football for like five hours. Mm. That guy is so smart. Like we knew that. Well, we haven't had a conversation with him like that yet this year. I'm sure we'll have very many moving forward. But the way he's like 
detailing everything he saw from Notre Dame's defense, the conversations that he and Ryan Day are having on the sideline about how they're working through those adjustments, how they're trying to figure out life without Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, it's just really insightful stuff. I think we'll probably be writing about it and talking about it more uh, this week. But um, it was just a reminder, I guess, of like the steady hand that they have a quarterback, and it's not just his physical ability. It's the way he thinks through stuff, man. It's just it's on another level. Um, and they've had some really bright quarterbacks here, but it's on another level from anything I've seen, I think, from that position. He very artfully answered your question about the throw to Emeka, where yeah. he didn't criticize the route, but did suggest that he put the ball where he wanted it. I felt bad because I, the way he responded to me made me think that I asked a question in a way where I said to him, like, hey, man, that was a bad throw. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think it was a bad throw. And even in the press box we were talking about, it, I was like, I knew what he was doing on that play. Yeah. He wanted Emeka to kind of sit between those two zone defenders. And, and CJ said, like, if I were to put that ball in front of him, he would have gotten killed. I was like, yeah, I, I know. But I, <laughs> I, the, the way that he and Emeka and Marvin need to continue to kind of work on those things is very interesting to me. It's not, it's not alarming, as he said. It's not, it's not alarming to them. It's just stuff you have to work through when there's new guys and, and when younger guys are getting pressed into more important roles now. If Jackson's out for a little bit. Um, I thought they got better with it over the course of the game, which is really encouraging. But it was sort of interesting to see them kind of figure it out on the fly against a really good defense. CJ graded out at 87% according to someone that I talked to in the building, which is pretty good. I mean, for season opener against a defense like that. Uh, Bill took my answer, so I'm just going to sit here. No, I mean, I was honestly super impressed by CJ Stroud's ability to recall the game on Saturday night and what defenders were doing on every snap that he's able to you know, go back I don't know how much he's rewatched the game. I'm sure he has a few times, but it was pretty. You think impressive. he's watching film? Uh, maybe. I don't know if he's. I don't know if he's watching. <laughs> Did film anybody ask? That. But <laughs> it, the, the, it's just kind of crazy because I think about sometimes playing football like you're playing mad, right? Like that's when I think about football, yeah. like X's and O's, and you're like, you walk to the line, you press X, and that's what well, that's what happens. But that's not what happens. Like there are a million things going on on every single play, and. To hear CJ talk about the touchdown pass to Xavier Johnson, the things that had to go into preparing for that particular moment five days earlier, just in case Notre Dame brought a zero blitz, and he's talking to a walk-on, the number six receiver on the team, saying, hey, just in case, if this happens, I need you to do this. And the fact that CJ recognized the zero blitz is one thing, but the fact that Xavier Johnson, who is a walk-on wide receiver who has not played wide receiver in any of his previous years here at Ohio State, and he's been here five years, the fact that he recognized it and adjusted to the route for the game-winning touchdown, like that's mind-blowing stuff because football is complicated. And these guys make it sound so easy. And it's really cool to see a guy like CJ develop that part of his game because that is not a conversation I think we could have had with him two years ago. Sounds like Byrne plays Madden on rookie. Yeah. It was really easy. I only play offense. <laughs> you don't play defense? No, I hate the defense. It's I, gotten harder I, I to super play defense. defense yeah, every that's, time. That's oh, fine. I basically played like Ohio State's played football the last two years. I just <laughs> super <laughs> sim defense and then get right to the point scoring. I, wow. uh, I asked CJ, because Byrne, Byrne brought this up, about the passing through the mind on the sideline on the, I guess, the 14-play drive where yeah. it like moved like a two-seam yeah. fastball. I asked him if he did that on purpose, and he kind of looked at me like I was crazy. Like, people can't do that. Um, (laughs) How do you know that they can't? I think they can. I think maybe he was being a little bit humble. I don't know how we get the football to do that. I guess it's God's given ability. It was like a sinker, two-seamer. I asked him again when he walked down the hallway. I was like, be real. Like, how did you do that? And he's like, I don't know. (laughs) It's it's crazy the things that these guys can do. It's fun to watch. And we'll get to do it again. 
on Saturday. Ohio State getting ready for Arkansas State. First uh, round of media availability is out of the way. We'll be back here on Wednesday for more of the podcast, more Snappy Jays. With these guys, Bill and Burham, I'm Austin. We'll see you tomorrow.